This very special episode of the Matt Belair Podcast is guaranteed to rock your socks off. Yep, I said it. We have the man, Sky Nelson Isaacs, on the show today. He is a physics educator, speaker, author, and musician. And this episode is just awesome. You're really going to love it. We talk about life as a branching tree, why it's up to us, the story that made Bruce Lee who he was, uh, the Lorax acronym, which is interesting. You're going to want to know that, uh, why there is no right way, letting go of attachments. Um, this is an amazing episode. We have entitled it The Science of Living and Flow, Synchronicity and Finding a Sense of Purpose. Uh, Sky Isaacs is the author of the new book, Living in Flow, so definitely check Check out that book. Check out his work. Um, I know you're going to love this episode. If you do love it, please take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag me at Matt Belair. Let me know where you're listening. Share it on Facebook. All of that stuff really helps to get the word out. I want to thank my patrons so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney. And thank you, Austin, for tossing a buck in the bucket. It helps immensely. I really do appreciate that. Um, I also wrote a book. It is called Zen Athlete. You do not need to be an athlete to enjoy this book and get a ton of benefit. Um, I'm working with a musician, an entrepreneur, and a chef right now. So, and they're all getting, they're all using the same um, techniques for peak performance. That's it. It's it's very simple. We're just not taught these basic things. We need to get really, really clear on what it is we want. We need a system to achieve those things, manifestation, law of attraction, all that kind of fun stuff. remove limiting beliefs, but it's a really simple system that we're not taught. So so if you're interested in this and you want some help, um, even if you have no idea what you want to do, but you're really feeling this urge to, you know, create or like change things or manifest or find your soul's calling, any of that stuff, hit me up, Matt at zenathlete.com or fill out the coaching form at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And I will happily help you out because you can go through this process. It has worked with literally every single person that I've used it for. Some have changed their jobs. Some have written books, some have created podcasts, uh, some have changed their businesses, some have manifested some amazing things. Some of them are athletes. Uh, People are athletes. Um, So it doesn't matter. You just get clear on what it is that you're going to use it for and it works every time. And uh, there are tools and processes that you can use to get very, very clear, even if you have no idea. So hit me up if uh, that's something that you want to do or if you want me to speak to your group or your organization or anything like that, just uh, hit me up and uh, happy to help. So we are going to London, England. David Lonebear and I will be there for the solstice. We are going to be doing some teachings. Um, It is going to be epic. We are going to do some readings at Stonehenge and some other sacred sites. So if you are in the UK, you were in London, hit me up matt at zenathlete.com or on social media anywhere Um, we would love to see you in london england i'd love to meet you in person so if you're there reach out would love to meet you in person just let me know um and uh yeah looking forward to that trip it's going to be amazing we do have a um GoFundMe because it's super, super expensive to get myself, David, his dog, all that kind of stuff out there. So we are asking for help for the community. So if you're interested in in helping, uh, you can find the GoFundMe page on uh, David Lone Bear on that uh, Star Teachings page or just hit me up and I'll link you to it. And uh, yeah, we appreciate any help to get out there. London is expensive, uh, but we're going to do it and it's going to be awesome. Um, I think that's it. Uh, What am I forgetting? Oh, my podcast sponsor and partner, the Himalaya Podcast app. If you are listening to podcasts, you're going to 
want to check out the Himalaya app. It is how I listen to all my shows. They're free, super easy to use. My favorite thing is the curated playlist where you can have multiple episodes and multiple different podcast hosts um, and make a curated playlist with so many different episodes. It's a great way to discover new podcasts. It's a great way to connect with podcast community. So check them out. They are amazing. Make sure you sign up for the... Oh, and when you're over there, make sure you give the master mind, body, and spiritual follow. And you can find them on the App Store and wherever apps are. Uh, H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. Check it out. Give me a follow over there. And so I just want to also thank all of you guys who have uh, left a review in iTunes. Louis Magro, uh, he's the man. He, he left this one for me. And it says, Elevate, Educate, and Evolve. I've always lived by the mantra, Educate, Elevate, and Evolve. And Matt's podcast embodies that wonderfully. He has a vast understanding of spirituality, yet he does not have an ego. His guests are all beautiful, insightful beings who want to offer expertise and education to the masses. Each and every podcast has something to offer you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. If you're looking to master self and become one with everything, look no further than the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit show. Awesome job, Matt Belair. Thank you, Louie. I really appreciate you taking the time to leave that review. Reviews helps with rankings to get the word out there and all that kind of stuff. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So all right, without further ado, let's get into this amazing episode. So wherever you are in the world, let's stop what you're doing for a moment, taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment empowerment passion and ready to take on this incredible episode with sky nelson isaacs hello and welcome to another episode of the master mind body and spirit show i'm your host matt belair today's guest is a physics educator speaker author and musician he has a master's degree in physics from San Francisco State University with a thesis in string theory and a BS in physics from UC Berkeley. He has dedicated his life to finding his own sense of purpose, beginning as a student of the yogic master Sri Swami Sachit Ananda when he was less than five years old. He brings together the connective connection between synchronicity, physics, and real life using research and original ideas. He is also a multi-instrumentalist and professional performer of award-winning original musical compositions and the author of the new book, Living in Flow. Welcome to the show, Sky Nelson Isaacs. Thanks, Matt. It's awesome to be here, and I love your show. I love what you uh, do with your life and really focusing on the enthusiasm and the uh, living life every day fully on the edge of the comfort zone. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate, you know, looking at your work and your background, having multiple, multiple degrees in science, but then also connecting it to, to uh, music. And from what I've kind of learned about um, understanding the universe, music is one of those important ways that when I grew up, I wasn't naturally gifted at. So I have like this um, love for it. So I'm trying to like learn it a little bit more and integrate it into my life because I know that for me, mine was sport. I learned a lot about life from sport and martial arts. So why don't you give us a little bit about your background, um, your very diverse background and what you are doing today and writing the book and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up, you know, asking this question of why am I here? What is consciousness? I mean, I didn't even know the word consciousness, but I, I had an intuitive sense that there was meaning to like what was going on in my life. 
even when I was just in the immersed in it, you know, as a kid trying to navigate social situations and education and just growing up, it's like, I've always had a feeling that there was something to be learned and that there was some pattern or some process going on. And, and my, my exposure to Satchitananda's teachings early on helped, you know, really helped a lot in setting that course of like, this is not just an experience that's happening to you, but there's a, I'm participating in, in the experience of life and there's something deeper happening that I wanted to look for. I wanted to understand. And in college through a synchronicity, actually, I, I ended up uh, signing up to be a music major in college at Berkeley, but then had hand pain, you know, like repetitive stress injury from, from practicing too much. And I couldn't continue. And I was at my girlfriend's house at the time and her dad made a comment, an offhand comment from, a, from, you know, my girlfriend's dad that all the physicists he'd ever known were really could solve any problem they put their hands on. And it was just like one of those comments that, you know, he didn't intend it in any way, but I was actually just, had just finished my first physics class in college and was thinking about switching over to physics because I couldn't do music for that, you know, for the, for the degree. And so I, I just, I didn't look back. I just took some makeup courses in the summer and then was a, was a music major. I'm in a physics major from then on. So I, I learned physics and it was like a way to understand some of the same questions, like what are the patterns of life? Why do things happen when they happen? And ultimately now I can see how it all came together for me. I, that the work I'm doing now examines space and time and says, look, we know how, you know, most physicists are satisfied with describing how baseballs move through the air and cars drive and airplanes fly. Like we know the laws of Newton's laws and relativity and quantum mechanics somewhat mostly um, but we don't know and we don't even most people don't even think it's a problem to understand why certain events happen like why does this person walk through the door instead of this other person and so I started to see that there was this that the real question in my mind was why why do certain events happen at certain times and I began to see it like a branching tree like as we go through life we're constantly moving along this branching tree. And as we do so, some of those branches are really significant. It's like whether um, some person you've never met walks through the door at that moment and steps up to the, to the coffee bar counter and orders a drink and you happen to strike up, a, strike up a conversation, that could be a pivotal moment in your future with that person. And so I started asking about those kinds of events, like, is there some way to describe how at macroscopic level, how events in life become, you know, how the more meaningful events seem to happen. And I had experiences like where I would be trying to decide whether to, you know, do one thing or another. You know, I think we've all sort of struggled with that. Should I go out with friends tonight or should I go practice my, whatever, my instrument or my training or whatever it might be for me. And, and sometimes I would do, you know, go out with my friends and I'd have an experience that was like profound and deep and meaningful. And I'd ask myself, well, what if I had done the other thing? What if I had stayed home tonight? Would I have missed this whole experience of my life? Would my life be totally different? And on the other hand, sometimes I would choose the other thing and I'd stay home and I'd study or train and, and I'd have a totally deep insight or breakthrough. 
And I'd wonder if I had gone out with my friends tonight, you know, would I have missed this? Would, would my work be stalled and would my life be totally different? And so th what I came to is that life is, that the cosmos we live in is responsive. The choices we make define what I call apples on this, on this tree. And they define apples by saying, look, if, if I choose to go out with friends, what I'm acting upon is a, is, a, is a desire to have more fun, to be more connected, to build my community. And in doing so, I define which branches of the tree have that experience. And the branches of the tree that have that experience are the ones that have the apples on them. You know, we're just metaphorically speaking. And those apples weigh down the branches in such a way that when I go out with that intention, I make it more likely that meaningful experiences will happen that make that intention happen, you know, come to fruition. And so, yes, some really amazing unforeseen experience might happen where I get up on stage and sing in the open mic or whatever, something I didn't plan, you know? And it's not an accident. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have gone, but that's not a problem because it, it happened in response to me going. And no matter what I choose, here's the main point, no matter what I choose in this sense, the cosmos is conspiring with placing apples on branches to bring me the more meaningful experiences in life that are aligned with what I'm choosing. And a key part of that is that it's not positive necessarily. You know, it's not like a, a fluffy philosophy that, you know, you can just create whatever you want. It's also looking at the obstacles that I create for myself and asking myself, how am I creating that? for myself? How are the choices that I'm making leading to the same experiences of, you know, negative, frustrating experiences over and over? And so it's also a call to really, to self-examination and understanding our role, my role in my life dynamics. And I think expanding from there into the global dynamics, you know, I see climate change as a reflection of what's going on inside each of us. The, the connection that's being made between the daily tasks and the bigger world. You know, we, we, we have our own habits of using plastic or gasoline or fossil fuels or whatever, commuting or whatever it may be. We can't get ourselves out of that. And, and it's also tied into what choices we make in terms of where we work and how far we're willing to commute and, and whether we drive alone or we, we take a bus or whatever. And those choices are tied into how willing are we to step into our lives fully and do what it is we're passionate about. So I start from that place. I want to do the work to break free of the constraints that we put on ourselves to hold ourselves back so that we, each of us lights up with the energy that we have in the world to do the thing that we are here to do. And when we do that and live collectively in that way, you know, in flow, working with each other, dealing with the emotions that come up in our conflicts and being able to resolve them so that we move through them instead of just sort of backing down and, and never dealing with them. That's when we can start to resolve some of the things that are facing us, not only individually, but collectively. And it all starts from that inner place of courage to step into life wholeheartedly. And that's what living in flow is about. Man. What a beginning. I, I had so many deep questions, <laughs> probably your first, you know, few sentences. So you bring up a lot of interesting 
um, topics that I, I kind of want to throw your way. Um, and I'd love for you to share more about the book as well. So you can kind of weave it in there if it makes sense. Um, but you know, what is your thought on like, I, ha- I wrote an article a while back and somebody sent me an email and said, hey, you said, um, you know, we create a reality and also that I'm, you're not in control of any of it. And I thought about it and I was like, oh man, that's definitely a contradiction. I was like, but I do believe both of those things. And I like, now it's like this interesting, I was like, I try to explain it in like this balance. Like, you know, I am influencing and intending what I want to do. So if I want to get really good at ping pong, I could practice ping pong all the time and that would change my reality. And then maybe I want to work in ping pong and now I got a life of ping pong. If I worked 14 hours a day on ping pong on that goal, it would move that way and I would be creating my life. Then also, if you go back a few years, they used to say, um, you know, hey, I'll see you next year, God willing. Because back in the day, you'd be taken out by like the flu or some sort of, you're just dying all over the place, right? So we still have those unforeseen forces, that bigger picture. Some call it God or spirit or something. But then the idea was, I said, you know what? I was like, I really appreciate you saying that because I'm at a new space now of trying to figure out these questions that are deep. And I don't know if it has a permanent answer. It's just where I am right now. I'm sure if I go back 30 podcasts, I wouldn't have the same mindset and I won't have the same one, you know, tomorrow, depending on the experiences. But I think that where where our power comes in to create is when we uh, accept responsibility for the what is and then set our intention. So the example I gave a lot is like Bruce Lee broke his back and they told him he was never going to, uh, you know, you're probably not going to walk and you're definitely not going to kick again. And so that I think it was about eight months in a hospital bed. He read so much about martial arts and just increased his knowledge so much about martial arts in general that when he did heal himself of his own volition and of his own power, he came back stronger than ever with more knowledge. And that's how he became Bruce Lee. You know, if he would have just kind of like, Oh, woe is me. The universe has done this to me. Now I'm done creating and influencing this life. Um, he would have never became Bruce Lee. And that was his turning point, that obstacle, that challenge that he had. So um, maybe you can speak about any of that, even though there's no direct question really. Yeah, no, that's a great question, <laughs> man. Cause that's it. And that's, that's, I want to tie that into how we deal with those, what I call singular branching points, singular meaning like more important than the other branching points. You know, every day you get up and you either make coffee or tea and you either, um, you know, go to, take the car to work or you walk to work or you know you, you make lots of little choices and, and many of them are not that consequential but then there's these important ones these singular points that do have a big difference on the on the life path and so I think it's really helpful for me to that that is if there's any way to make a big difference in the way that I do things it's to recognize the evolution of my life like symbolically like what's going on in my life Maybe I'm looking for work and that's sort of a big aspect of what I'm doing. Or maybe I'm trying to deal with challenges in my family with, with parenting or with my wife. And that's a big aspect of what's going on for me and noticing how these things are evolving and noticing the key points at which I can make a difference. And for Bruce Lee in that moment, I recognize in myself, you know, those, those key moments where I'm like, man, none of this is working. Like, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I'm recreating the same thing over and over. I'm, I'm a fraud or I'm you know, not good enough to do this or I'm not smart enough or I'm not nice enough or I'm not cool enough or whatever. And this comes down to, I think, 
a key part of what I, my message, which is dealing with our emotional state. Like our emotional state is what guides us through those key moments, those pivotal singular moments where we have to make decisions. And, and often it's a, just this decision is to keep going or to give up. And our emotional state is what's guiding that, whether or not we are, for me, whether or not I'm giving into the frustrating messages from my head about, you know, whether I'm good enough at this or whether it's ever going to work out or I should just let it go and give up or whatever I'm doing that, that, you know, those patterns are really deep for me. They, they come from conditioning and not only probably from my parents, but also from the society and stuff that we're working through collectively. So, and, and it's actually in the work I'm doing, it's our, it's our emotional state that's essentially locking into a future experience we want to have or that we don't want to have locking into it and putting those apples on the branches that represent that experience. So the, the, it's really, I think the process of synchronicity showing up in the world is a process of reflecting to us what's going on inside of ourselves in a way so that we can see it outside of us. Like, oh yeah, that's me, you know, denigrating my own work right there. I can see this person's criticizing me. Well, that's me having created that situation for myself because that's a reflection of what's going on inside me. Otherwise, it wouldn't affect me. And so it, it's really a process of, of healing and growing as human beings, recognizing the, the moments that show up in life and the way that life reflects what's going on inside of ourselves. And importantly, those pivotal moments when it's really our chance to say, I'm committed to whatever path I'm on and I'm going to stay with it. Yeah, man. Well, you touched on a lot of really great points there. And I, and I really agree with that. I think that understanding the emotional state uh, and just how we navigate our life is super important and, and also touched on internal dialogue, what we're saying to ourselves and, you know, the external environment, something's going to happen, but then we're going to tell us, and we're going to create meaning around that. So let's say I go and I skateboard and, um, you know, this eight-year-old kid is way better than me, which they are now as an adult. <laughs> oh, man, should I just quit skating? Or, you know, you're an eight-year-old kid and, and I just use sports because it's what I understand. Or let's say you're, you're doing music or art and you compare it to, like, another person and you're not as good and, you know, you get an F or you get – or somebody tells you you suck or whatever. You're getting feedback from the environment that is not positive. Um, it doesn't mean that you can – you have to – take that as a negative thing, if you'll find that all people who have had massive success in business, entrepreneurship, life, philosophy, they had so much negativity come at them, um, but they were able to stand firm in their own beliefs, in their own understanding, in their own way of life. And I think that's so important to be able to kind of um, honor yourself and really be um, discerning with what self-talk you, you allow in and what you do. And you know, there's so many questions I want to ask you, but you touched on a little bit before about like, how is it that we make a right choice? How do we live and flow with that inspiration when there's so much chaos out there? And what are your thoughts on free will? Um, and so all of this is kind of encompassing on really deep um, topics that I think that people should just ponder. And I ponder them as well. You know, it's like, how much in my life am I influencing my reality? You know, can I make a wrong choice? Like if I make this choice, like you said, stay in and practice or I go out but you, then you said, you know, you can connect um, or something the universe will bring you 
um, maybe something better than you expected as long as you had the right intention. I'm not sure how you, you got to that point. Well, um, it's actually, it's not, yeah, thanks for asking. It's not the right intention. I think that's a great word to use because it gets in our brains a lot, right? You know, like what's the right thing to do here? And empowerment comes when we don't think that there's a right thing anymore and we realize that it's up to us. The universe is going to empower whatever we do. So then it's on me. What am I going to choose? And, and that, that process for me is about what's my real, what are my real values? Like that's when I have to check in. It's like, okay, so it's not about getting the right thing. It's about what's important to me. What am I going to do in this world? What, what am I going to stand for? And so rather than feeling like we have to make the right choice, um, recognize like finding synchronicities don't have meaning in and of themselves, right? So I, I should give some examples of synchronicity, by the way, like tell some stories. I have one here. Um, it's like a coincidence that shows up in life that you don't expect. And it's not necessarily meaningful to somebody else, but you get to check in and, and, and you know inside whether there's some meaning for you in that situation, whether it's, whether it's important. And so I don't think there's a right and a wrong. I think it's about uh, aligning with and getting, getting clearer and clearer on who we are as individuals and what's important to us. Because you can go and you can study ping pong and practice ping pong and you can create that and opportunities will show up in your path to learn it. You'll, you'll meet a master and they'll be willing to teach you and you'll be part of it. You'll, you'll go on vacation and find you happen to show up at this club right at the time that they're holding their tournament and you can join the tournament, you know, synchronicities will show up, which support that. The question you have to ask is, is this what I want? Because maybe what I really want is some other thing, you know, maybe I really want to be a skier or a guitar player or whatever it might be, a scientist. And making sure that we're not, like, I think it's very easy in life to let go of the things we really want. To, to do the things that we, for whatever reason we think we should do or we think will make us happy because, you know, maybe our parents, we want to please our parents or when we were growing up, like for me, uh, I'm, I, one of the things I really wrestle with in, in playing music is what kinds of songs I play. Do I play songs that make really come from my core or am I responding to criticism I received when I was younger as a kid, when I was much more sensitive to it about what's likable. So how, how much access do I have to my authentic expression? And that's where I think we can know what's right or wrong. And we'll probably do the, what's, you know, quote, quote, unquote, wrong for a long time because we'll, we'll, we'll start to realize, oh, that's not really me. That's not really what I'm after. Here's what I'm really after. So it's a process of refining and trusting along the way that if we take bold, directed action and listen well, too, that we will be creating a purposeful experience. Man, I love that. And I wrote down as a quote, the universe will empower whatever we do. I think that's so incredibly powerful um, to just think about and understand. And one of my teachers um, is David Lombear. And I ask him like, uh, he's a Native American elder and I ask him all kinds of crazy questions all the time. And, uh, and I'm uh, like, what's the best way to like get this goal and the best way to do this thing? And like after 45 minutes of me, like in my mind and all the things I can create, he just like, writes down a little piece of paper and they open it up and it's like, this is the secret of the universe. <laughs> and I open it, up and it says, do something. And it just, 
you know, responds to what you're saying. And it's interesting too, because you're finding these, you're, you're also getting this information from studying like physics, from studying science, from studying nature and how the universe works. You know, we talk about the law of attraction and all of these different things. How do we get into flow with, you know, the sun and the trees and animals and just life, like life force. Some people call it Kundalini. And I'm sure you would have heard a little bit about that from like the yogi, but part of that is like presence and honoring the body and its energy and like navigating it in this wild space. And like part of it is just like this unknowable mystery that we're a part of that there's no certainty from any action. You know, you can't, you could be just driving down and you're doing the most certain thing and you get a random response. Like, What the heck? And that can happen. And you can also like, you know, work and create something with like a plan and action. But I think what you're, you're sharing is that, it's so important to uncover your values. Why are you doing it? And if you can respond to that inner feeling and honor that inner feeling, that's going to be the most important way to get into flow. And I want you to talk more about that. And I also wanted to throw another real world question at you. Um, I spoke to a wonderful uh, young person today, Acacia, who hit me up for some coaching. And I get this often. And it's people who want to do something in arts. You're a musician, right? And I was an athlete. And a lot of the people I was coaching, they want to be a professional snowboarder, professional um, this and that. And they want to make a, a life with their art or music. And, and inherently in some of those things, it's more challenging because it's harder to pay the bills with. So can you give like some sort of like recommendation of how they would live in that flow um, and pursue something that might have a less, it's less practical. You know, I think, I can't remember what you said, but I, I saw it as like making choices that are safer. You know, you need choices that are going to pay the bills to kind of move forward, but we are inspired, but maybe our inspiration isn't going to make sure that our kids have, um, you know, a nice lunch and they're not eating craft dinner every day in spam. Yeah. Well, spam's pretty good, I guess. I know I was going to say not knocking spam. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So let me, let me, cover like those two things in order that there's a story that comes to mind, which is an example of synchronicity that I'll share, which also, you know, like I like the way you talk in your work about life as a contact sport. You know, um, we, we experience flow in a lot of people experience it in athletics because there's a way in which as, as the author Mihai Csikszentmihalyi who wrote the book on flow talks about, you know, on one hand, you can try and be more in control of your life. On the other hand, you can let go of control completely. You know, we've all thrown up our hands in the air sometimes and said, I'm clearly not helping the situation. I got to surrender, you know. And neither of those actually solves the problem. What, what Csikszentmihalyi talks about is letting go of the worry about whether we're in control. Right. So it's not like I'm just going to let go. Or I'm just going to take control. It's who of us can permanently stay in this worryless state about whether we're in control or not. That's the challenge. And uh, an athlete, when they're in flow, is certainly not in control of the game. Right. Or the, the, the rock wall they're climbing or whatever it might be. But they're also not letting go and just surrendering. There's, there's an exertion of effort and skill and talent. Uh, so when we're in that best space and we get our ego out of the way, like, like you talk about when our ego's in the way in, in the game, you know, it's very hard to bring our a game because we're worried about what happens if, if we don't do it right, if we take too much control or not or let go of control too much, like we, we get absorbed in that. And so the surrendering or the, sorry, not the surrendering, but the, 
letting go of the worry about whether we're doing the right thing at the right time and then deciding in the moment what to bring. Should I bring more action? Should I be more assertive? What's the edge of my comfort zone? Should I, should I hang back and, and allow things to unfold? Uh, I had this experience where I was just, fin I was in the middle of grad school and so I had left my job the year before and I had enough money to sort of make it through but it, I was looking for a job that was really part-time and to help me out through grad school. And I got an email from somebody that I was at a conference with, you know, like the year before that I knew from, from the conference. And I was chatting about the next upcoming conference. And they said something randomly about, you know, so are these people from such and such organization going to kidnap you? And I was like, it was such a weird statement that it made me stop and think like, what, what are you talking about? And then I thought like, oh yeah, I met this person from that organization. They were really interesting. And we had a, we actually were on the same flight on the way home by accident. And so we talked the whole way and, and it occurred to me that I would love to work with them. And I, so I wrote to this person and said, do you have any need for a really part-time person to help you with technical or writing or whatever it is that you need? And I ended up working for them for like a year and a half through grad school. Hours were whatever I wanted them to be. And it was because of that random comment that I got from this other person. So the, the practical steps that I put together for this are listen, open, reflect, release, and act, and then repeat that cycle. So I call it Lorax, L-O-R-R-A-X. So listening is like noticing the weird comment from somebody or noticing the obstacle that comes up in life that something is in the way, and instead of just pushing through, I'm gonna stop and listen to life. And then I'm gonna open my mind. I never would have thought to ask these people for a, for a job, but I'm gonna open, like maybe there's something there for me. Maybe there's something that this obstacle is presenting me that can actually benefit me. And then I'm gonna reflect on what that might be. How is it that my life is unfolding right now? How is it that this could be beneficial? Because the presumption I'm making is that Life is sending us helpful information in the form of things that happen to us. And so the challenge is to, to find that information. So I think we have to listen, open our minds, and reflect on what that might be. And then once we've done that, for my sake, like I, I, I know I'm often like attached to how it's going to go already. Like I've already got a plan in my head for how it's going to unfold. So I have to release a lot of times what I thought was going to happen. So if I don't release what I thought was going to happen, I can't really act upon the new information that I've gotten. And, but then I do need to act. Once I've done those steps and I've come up with, okay, well, that's my authentic action now. I'm left with what's really true for me. Now I've got to act it out. So the action part is really important because I think that's the currency of the cosmos. Like that's how it knows what we're, what we're trying to create. But if we don't listen and open and reflect and release first to life, we're going to miss opportunities that show up. We're going to miss the comment about where is our next client going to come from? Or what's the right program of study we could take or training we could take to move ourselves forward in a really useful way. And it's not the right way, like we were talking about before. I think life is so abundant. The, the, the world is so full of things happening that 
life is saying, look, there's, there's hundreds of ways to move forward here, but you have to listen to life to, to see how it all fits together. And so we become martial artists of life, practicing how to work with events in a way like I studied Aikido a little bit when I was younger, you know, how to take in the, the obstacles of life in a way that doesn't block them, but uses their energy to create something new like Bruce Lee did with his broken back. And I think that, you know, that attachment step that we have to, when we release, it's because we're attached to something. And I find that that's a really core thing for me. I'm constantly feeling attached to the next thing and the next thing. And then I've released that and come up and somebody suggests something else. So then I get attached to that. Every, everything that happens is like, oh, that's the next big thing. That's the next solution for me or whatever. I think as long as we have those attachments, life needs to keep ripping them away so it can show us what we really are. Because if we're attached to what we think we can do, we're not necessarily available to what is really possible for us. Beautiful, man. You said so much incredible stuff there. Like the Lorax analogies is so brilliant. And um, there's a lot... You know, I really love the idea of like, there is no wrong way. It's just taking action. And I think to kind of compound what you're, what you're saying, like I have this, you know, for me, when I was younger, I wanted to be enlightened and I wanted to like go into this mystical state. And I wanted to like, I would look at these Shaolin masters do incredible things. And I'd read about like enlightenment and, and astral projection. And I want to like go to this different dimension. What are the limits of this consciousness? Can I go to a whole nother right. realm? Like, you know, can I experience something outside of what, this brain is doing. And so there's a really interesting pursuit. And so um, I remember when I was learning from David and I'm always trying like uh, different spiritual practices. I like different, I test them, you know, I test, I, I was in cold this winter, like, you know, minus 30 degrees in the wind, you know, in, in the winter, jumping in water, seeing what that's about testing, breathing, testing, meditation, testing things like Vipassana. Um, I haven't made through a hard sit, but I did, um, you know, it's 10 days all day. That's probably one of the checks that I need. Um, but in China, meditating pretty intensely. So just doing everything that is out there as far as protocol to quote unquote, ascend my consciousness, this and that. So anyway, I get a new one and it's like stare at a candle in a dark room and um, this will help, you know, meditate on the candle, meditate on the blue flame of the candle and um, this will help like clear the brain, brain fog and you might actually start to, you know, experience some weird things. So, all right, I'm testing this out and I go, I say this like little prayer and I go, spirit, show me a sign if this is like legit or not, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so like, you know, I was like, I'm just wasting my time. Meditation's okay. I could try to do that. It doesn't matter. So candles on the floor, dark room in the basement in my sister's house in Vancouver, light it up. And um, so I light the, the candle. I sit down and an ant comes out of nowhere and comes to the candle then starts circling the candle circling the candle then going up the candle and instantly what i think is like universe don't send me a little ant i know this isn't the sign i've asked you for a sign now you've sent me this ant <laughs> and for the whole 15 minutes this ant continues to circle the candle up and down and just do circles i've never seen anything like that and so just repeats the whole time. I was like, and I'm Googling, are ants attracted to lights and fire? Like what the heck was the deal of that? Just did hundreds of circles and it just clicked. And it was like, 
it was this moment for me. It was like, Matt, stop looking for this big, extraordinary thing. Although I've had a few of those happen, life is always giving you information and signals and support and help. If you can stop for a moment and listen and reflect, like you said, just take a moment that like life is is communicating with you in a subtle way, but it can communicate through the person talking smack about your music, through the person yeah. you're meeting in the line. It's like we move, we have that goal in our mind, right? And we're moving towards it and that's the goal that we get. But everything in between is like, not good enough or not a part of life or not to be paid attention to when really that's 99.999% of the whole entire thing with a little blip of that imaginary goal or next step that you have in mind. <laughs> well, that's so, what's so exciting to me because when what I think this is pointing to is that not a single moment is wasted. So for people who are listen to this conversation, I think something we probably have in common is like, we're seeking a path of discipline and um, engagement. And the process of synchronicity, which arises from this process I call meaningful history selection, is never stopping, not even when you're asleep. So that's like something you need to do. And yet it's like you wake up and you're like, oh, I just missed those six seven hours, eight hours, whatever it is. Um, every, every moment is, the, the cosmos is responding to us. And so everything, like you said, everything is an ingredient in that. So when I go to the store, I know that there could be an experience I have at the store that transforms me or that I transform in some way. That, that was a, a, an experience that I get to step into where I can actually be of service or I can learn something. I went to a, a, a gathering, I was, I was new to this gathering and it was a kind of a small group and I was engaged in it and it was a lot of fun. This was pretty recent and it was like almost over and we were about to go home and then just the last minute, this conflict happened between two people and it really happened like with all of us there and it was, it was in the space with us. And I, I felt at that moment, like this whole meeting was nice and all, but this is what we came for. Working this through, dealing with this conflict between two human beings that, you know, supposedly care about each other. And yet there's, there's something that needs to be worked through that. And I think we're really not good at that as a, as a culture right now. I mean, some, some cultures are, but not the one that I, that I'm coming from where I feel like we really struggle with authentic grief. And I think authentic grief shows up in the form of conflict. You know, I, I conflict with you because something I wanted to have happen didn't happen and I'm hurt or I'm sad. And when we can't deal with that effectively, we come into conflict with each other. So in this moment, it was like the whole the whole meeting had happened and then, but this was the key moment where something real was going on. And if I had just been thinking like, oh, I'm ready to get in the car and head home, I got to find a ride or whatever it might be, whatever's going on in my head about the situation and what I need next, I would have missed the only really significant event of the night. Instead, we got to dive into that and, and, and there were some things that happened that were good and some that weren't, but I certainly learned from the experience more from that moment than from the entire rest of the night. 
Yeah, man. I hundred percent agree. Well, when you share that story, what it makes me think about is just like how grounded your approach is because we move about the world and we have these ideas and we have these goals and really there's so much learning from just being human you know, and interacting in a real way with each other. And I think that we do struggle with being authentic, with sharing honestly, but without attacking, you know, we're not like culturally, we're not very good at that. It's like the emotion comes up and it's more of an attack battle rather than like being able to share effective communication in a way that you are compassionate towards the other person, but in, a, in an adult manner, like emotionally whole. And it's, it's such a, an important point to make because I think that this happens in the workplace, obviously on the roads, um, within families, within friends. And if we can um, learn to be a little bit more supportive, a little bit more compassionate, a little bit better communicators, we can have a massive impact on our families if, if we're in conflict there in our workspaces and communities. And um, the one thing that I want to ask you that's been on my mind because you have the physics background and I'm, I'm sure you write about it in your book, I don't know, but what for you like in the physics world and in in that whole space of science and physics is most important for like the lay person to know, like what have you discovered in that field that is applicable to like your daily life where like I can apply it. Like, I don't know, a scientist says, Hey, you should drink eight glasses of water instead of four, you know, and the whole world's drinking Coke <laughs> or something. So I can just now drink eight glasses of water because you're super smart and you figured it out. All right. Here's the thing. Um, so quantum mechanics pretty well known for being mysterious and a lot of people wonder you know what quantum mechanics is and it's, but it's pretty popular it's been popularized the way i would describe what quantum mechanics is really about quantum mechanics is the study of what the world is doing when you're not watching it so that's that's really important right it's intense you know to think about we make assumptions about what the world is doing when we're not watching it when i turn my back I think I know what's going on behind me because I can hear and I can, I just assume something's going on, right? I, I, my, my car's in the driveway. I assume it's still there. I left it there last night. Um, so what quantum mechanics says, and this is debatable in the scientific community because quantum mechanics, we know it applies really well to microscopic particles. And it's been a point of debate and contention for the last hundred years as to whether it applies to macroscopic things. And the problem is that there's nothing in the physics and the math that makes it not apply to macroscopic things too. And what that would mean is that macroscopic things would, would be able to like branch off into different possibilities. Like my car could be sitting in the driveway just fine, or it could be sitting there with a branch that fell on it and scratched it, or somebody could have walked by and tried to break into it. And those are three different possibilities, three different branches of that tree that all could be possible what we call superimposed and mainstream physics doesn't think that that's possible because the quantum effects like wash out when you get to larger objects when they all mix together you just kind of get an average and it just washes away and that's because we assume that the world is not like that because every time you look at the world you get a real thing right a, a definite thing I, when i go out and check on my car i guarantee you it will be in one of those definite states but the question about quantum mechanics is, what's the world doing when you're not watching it? Can you be sure that it's doing something? Can you be sure it's doing something definite? And it's not a question of whether things don't exist when you're not watching them. It's a question of, do they exist in a definite form? 
Can we be sure that they're not evolving into many different possibilities, only one of which becomes real when you observe it? And that's what I suggest happens. So what, what you can take, if, even if you don't know any of the science of quantum mechanics, it, just into your life is start thinking about the world, about what you observe. Like I can observe what's right around me. I can also observe, you know, I just talked to my wife on the phone 10 minutes ago, so I know I have information about that. I know that she was doing such and such 10 minutes ago. Any information that I have is, is considered an observation about the world. Anything else is evolving into many possibilities. And when we think that way, at least for me, it creates a really wide open, not infinitely open, but much more open than I previously would have thought, set of possible ways that the universe can unfold right now. And a key element of this is that when I actually interact with the world, everything that leads to that interaction falls into place. So if, the, if a tree branch fell on my car you know, at seven o'clock this morning, that's still superimposed. It's still one of the possibilities. When I go out and I interact with my car and I see that the tree branch fell on it, that entire history fell into place in which the tree branch fell at seven o'clock this morning. So in this sense, the question of if a tree falls in your driveway and no one is there to hear it, does it dent your car? The answer is it's a superposition of whether the tree branch fell or didn't fall until you observe it, until the observer shows up. Well, I was with you most of it. I, I, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying mostly, but not to a massive degree. What it makes me think about is the double slit experiment where they shoot particles um, through slits, right? And then all of a sudden when they observe it even closer and they call it, what, what's the effect they call it? Like it's so- Interference. Yeah. And, and then when they observe it, it goes back to operating normally. That's Particle a, and wave. Yeah. Yeah, the particle wave. That's a really curious effect. So I guess my question would be like... Well, and that, that's, that's what it's saying here is that the wave is essentially a superposition of all the different possibilities. And the particle is what happens when we observe it. We get a definite result. It looks like a single thing. But up until that moment, it's just described by this, this flowing waveform of possibilities. Right. Yeah, I got that. And so, well, I guess my question would be, can we apply that information to like our daily lives? I think we're my curiosity goes is do you think that the universe is on our side unfolding? And do you think that there is a, a spirit, a force or a God, like, you know, that plant behind me doing some things, you know, all the vastness of nature in the cosmos. Do you think, I, I have a feeling like that impulse in me is connected to some sort of bigger thing. Um, I don't know the word I'd want to use for it. I wouldn't use it for like a man in the sky giving me my power. I would, I would equate it for myself more around nature or spirit. Um, in your findings, is there anything in physics that suggests that in, or your personal views? Yeah. So this is a very um, useful question, I think. It's, it's one that I have definite personal views on. If you think about all those possibilities that, you know, rather than assuming the world is fixed out there, just happening on its own, actually everything I'm not observing is evolving into just trillions of possibilities. So the world outside is not actually defined or definite. It's got many different options. Then it's possible for those things to fall into place lots of different ways. So when I walk out my door or when I walk into an elevator or when I get on an airplane, 
there's lots of different ways that life could unfold. I could run into somebody very important to me at, right at that moment or not. And so I'm trying to connect that superposition idea of all the, all the different possibilities, which are not certain yet, and how when we actually interact with the world, we get a certain result. And, but it's selecting from all the possibilities. And that's the point at which I think synchronicities show up because the more meaningful possibilities are the ones that become more likely to happen. And that's the metaphor again is this apple tree. The more meaningful branches of possibility become more likely to happen because they have these apples on them because they relate to something that we're doing. And what we're, what we're feeling in, our, in ourselves, in our intention, and in our emotional being and the way we're interacting with the world is selecting from those branches the, the possibilities that are more aligned with whatever it is we're bringing to the world. And so I see this as a way in which the world is bringing us the very things we need in order to grow. And it may be to be more successful, sure, it could be. It may be to be less successful, at least for a time, in order to learn about ourselves. Maybe if we need to fail in this particular way or, or experience an obstacle or have someone close to us die. I think all of these things happen. And I think they, they happen in the context of essentially narrating our lives for us. They help us narrate what's going on in our interactions with the world. So let me, ex ex let me ex unpack that a little bit. I see the events that happen to me in life as uh, reflections of what's going on inside of me and the choices I'm making and the, the intentions that I have. And so in a way, the, the, the outside world is narrating my life. And I don't expect bad things not to happen. I incorporate them into the story that I'm telling myself about what my life is at this moment. And so, so God comes in there, you know, it, it, it's, but I don't want to attach a label to it. It's, it's definitely a connection to the very center of the cosmos that's helping us unfold in the most growth-oriented way. Yeah, man. Well, you, you definitely shared a lot of interesting things to think about there. And apologies if you guys can hear the weed whacker over there. I'm trying to steer my mic away from the guy that needs to do his gardening right now. Um, I don't hear it. Okay, good. Um, yeah, you know, you, you put that in such an, like, an interesting way. And, you know, I was going to ask you, like, why do you think we have challenges, right? We're, if we're living in flow and we're moving towards, um, I don't know, an ideal life, right, or a better life or whatever we're trying to create in, in our world. And, you know, people ask, like, why did I get this disease? Why did this random, this was a synchronicity, but a bad event. And I think you answered it a little bit there where you said, you know, it's to help you grow. I, I was curious if you wanted to um, unpack just that one. Like, why, why is life so friggin' frustrating sometimes? Why do, we, why do some people say, hey, yeah, man, I didn't ask to get hit by that truck. I didn't ask to lose this. I didn't ask for that. Like, why am I experiencing this suffering? Because we're, we're, we're so great. So many are suffering. And we're in the, we're the ideal part of the world. You know, we're not even right. like suffering like other people are. Like that's, that stuff is, is crazy. So I was curious if you could speak on that and, and anything around like free will with our choices. Like do you believe in that and how does your research, uh, what does your research say about it? Well, free will is something that comes, that does appear to be supported by physics. Um, 
there are some theorems that indicate that any physical system doesn't have an existence independent or prior to us making a measurement of it. Let me qualify that statement. It's not that it doesn't exist. It's that it doesn't have a definite form yet, definite value or property. So if we measure an electron, before we measure the electron, it's in, it's in multiple different possible states. And it's not like we just don't know what state it's in. It's actually doesn't have a definite state. It's like a canvas that hasn't been painted yet. When we make a measurement of it, it, we have free will to make that measurement choice, however we want to interact with it. And, and the system itself doesn't have, well, it, it, takes, it, takes, it, make, it gives you a result in response to that choice. So this approach um, validates the idea that we have free will, at least at an experimental level. At the same time, I've, I, so, and I think that our free will influences the sort, the types of events that come to us, right? The choices we make influence, and that, that's really what life is about. I'm trying to study the science of choices, meaningful choices in life, and how the circumstances we experience are a reflection of those choices. So again, they're not right or wrong. Um, and, it's not, and it's not about like, oh, this car accident happened because I made a bad choice or because you know, this person got an illness because of some causal reason. Like that, that's a really, I don't even wanna talk about it in those terms. We have to be much more open-hearted, I think, and subtle in our understanding. Like here's the question I wanna ask what do we feel like the purpose of life is? Is if the purpose of life can be blocked by life itself, then maybe we're missing what the purpose of life is. Maybe there's something that those hardships, and, and I, I don't wanna dive into things that I've not experienced which are really, really, I don't know how to describe, you know, like what it's like to live in a war zone or what, but I'm just speaking about from, from my experience with relatively light hardships that are still like mortally frustrating to me, <laughs> you know, how do we recognize the griefs and the hardships that we face as the meaning of life? The, the, that is what life is trying to show us. There's something there for us that's, that's not getting in the way of us experiencing life, but is actually leading us where we need to go to, to experience the best life we can. And it may not be in order to become Bruce Lee, the, the master of karate. Like it may not be to, some things are that, like they, they lead us to become stronger and more professional or more better relationships, but it might be to understand ourselves better and choose our life path accordingly. It might be to learn how to love more deeply. You know, I would say, somebody told me this when I was going to have my, my daughter, when she was about to be born, they said, uh, nothing has made me feel more vulnerable than being a parent. But that's not a bad thing, right? It's not, I don't wish I wasn't vulnerable and didn't, wasn't, didn't, have to be, didn't get to be a parent. It's, it's, a, it's been a real learning for me to learn how to be vulnerable. It's something that I didn't learn when I was growing up. I learned how to protect myself. And I feel like right now in, in history, we are at a time when people are, there's research being done. Brene Brown has done fantastic work on vulnerability 
especially in organizations and in the way we work together. And I think this work is crucial because I think life is trying to show us who we are at our core. And it's not necessarily the conditioned person with the, the goals and um, professional aspirations that we think it is, but it's part, that's part of it. But it's getting to the real, like you've talked about, the real why, the real vulnerable part of ourselves that wants those things, not the part of ourselves that's trying to satisfy an ego need. And a lot of times those ego needs hold on so tightly for me, you know, they just cling on and cling on until I've been, I've dealt with enough grief that I don't want that anymore. And I stopped choosing it. Holy smokes, man. Well, you said a lot here and I'm going to do my best to formulate a question and give some feedback, but I love what you said about um, just pondering the, you know, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? And I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but if life can kind of get in the way, then is that the meaning or what did you say? There was such an interesting thought experiment yeah. never thought about. And I was like, that is interesting. You know, if life is getting in the way of life, then maybe we're misunderstanding what the purpose of life is. Yeah. And I think, you know, like asking the, you know, what is the meaning of life? It's just something I've been curious about and nobody really talks about it. And we're alive in this like really incredible mystery. Sometimes I feel like we're on a, I'm on a like roller coaster ride. You know, I've strapped into the VR and I'm just like observing this thing. And I kind of have like a few options of the joystick, whatever. It's like a fighter jet and I can kind of move it up and down, <laughs> but like ultimately there's some sort of thing outside of my control. And you know, we spoke about it a little bit before too, like the, um, the ability to kind of surrender. And in Zen, they, there's like a few lessons, like there's, they go into lots of stories, but if you look around spiritual teachings, it'll talk about not attachment, you know, non-attachment and surrender to this life, to this existence, to this experience. And then you bring in choice, right? And so then it goes, we want to make the best choice. And so what a fascinating uh, thing to research how to make the best choice and you're doing it from a, a frame of mind that I don't think people would expect so what I wanted to ask is like some people know that they want to make a better choice right they maybe they're struggling with weight maybe they're um, whatever the case is right they, they're like they're addicted to something or they keep making a bad choice over and over um, do you have any recommendations for a protocol to make a good choice or to help somebody who just continuously makes the bad choices like, bro, I know I shouldn't eat this KFC again tonight because I'm overweight and I got cholesterol and I can't help it. And I want it. I do. They gen, people genuinely want to change sometimes, but they can't. So I'm just curious if you have any insight into that. Yeah. The, the hard thing about this question is it's so individual, you know, when we struggle with something like that, it's like so personal. It's like, I cannot seem to figure this thing out. I keep creating the same circumstance for myself or I keep not being able to choose something different. So I don't want to minimize that struggle and act like there's some, some simple solution to it. I think it's really the core struggle of what we're doing here in life in a way. So I want to elevate it in a way like that, that, that is a really core struggle that we're all dealing with. And this is really coming from my, the teachings I learned from Swami Satchitananda and, and, and I studied a lot of different traditions growing up. 
um, the Tao Te Ching and um, mystical Christianity and, and Sufi Islam and Rumi, wonderful author that I love. And what I would say is that ultimately our behaviors come from an emotional experience. And when we are able to understand the emotional experience that we're having, our we, get, we get our choices back. Because as long as we don't understand the emotional experience we're having, we don't have a choice about how we react. We just have to react to our, to our emotion. So, and I think this is the work that we're doing right now on the planet. And this is like the core of the conversation. Because if we want to create the world that I think we want to create, that's, you know, that's changed the way we look at climate change, but also changed the way we look at each other, changed the way we interact at a social level. If we want to have a, no more violence in our schools or our churches, um, those things come from emotional pain that hasn't been resolved. And at a, I think we have to do that healing. I want us to do that healing. And it happens at a personal level, right? I mean, it happens collectively, but only because individuals take on that work and decide to understand the thing that's creating the emotional reaction in them, understand it well enough that they don't feel compelled to act out on it anymore to lash out violently or, you know, I think people that are experiencing pain in this world are often feeling really isolated. When we experience pain, especially in the West, Western cultures, we isolate ourselves. We have our house that we live in and we can just be in our room alone rather than in indigenous cultures, we might've been much more having to interact and grow through experiences that were difficult. So I think that the question of changing difficult habits or choosing life affirming actions is tied into the whole question of, I mean, as a culture, as a society, choosing life affirming actions, not the short term, you know, I want my gas to be as cheap as possible so that I can afford my life. But the longer term, like, what are we really doing here? What's the world we're trying to create and how do we, come together to do that. So I think that comes from understanding ourselves, being willing to grieve the pain that we have. We all carry pain. And, and I think to tie it back to the topic that I write about, I think that flow is essentially a process and synchronicity is essentially a process which brings about circumstances that um, allow us to do that work. So if we can see life circumstances as helpful, helpful opportunities to do that kind of healing work, not as obstacles or frustrations or and people are not in our way because they're just obstacles. They're in our way because they're, they're showing us something we need to see. And it takes the conflict out. And it actually, for me, it opens up my heart to the point where I can really connect with people and not feel isolated in the same way. 
That's awesome, man. You know, you touched on a lot of great points again. And what I really loved was the, um, you know, when we can handle our emotions, I don't know exactly how you phrased it, but being able to handle our emotions. uh, So we then have choice. And I always use the example because I'm a guy and I did martial arts and I was a young man and I wanted to fight everybody that said something that I never did because as a martial artist, but I got mad. But that's what I learned through martial arts is don't fight them. You know what I mean? Although that you want to and they've bothered you and they would directly attacked you through words, don't fight them. That's a part of the discipline, right? You have to learn that discipline. And it's such a great practice for uh, young boys and young girls because we're so emotionally chaotic. You know what I mean? We want to like throw our, you know, things through the windows and, you know, I don't know, whatever, break the plates against the wall. And people in the environment give you stimulus to want to react because, we react when we can't handle that emotion. Someone's like, you're the biggest loser ever. And I'm like, well, I'm not standing for that. And so often there's conflict and this happens into adulthood and through countries and different organizations where people can't handle their emotions. So they can't sit back and make a different choice. The emotion makes the action. And that distinction right there is super key. It's super, super key. So what a really brilliant distinction to share and to talk about. Um, You know, yeah, Go ahead. Um, well, I feel like we, I haven't given an example, many examples of synchronicity. So people might be wondering what exactly do I mean when I talk about a synchronicity? Like how do you couch this in a real experience? So why don't I tell a story of an experience that I've had? So I, I, I think that for me, I'm passionate about, you know, the various things that I do personally, but also the engagement with the world. And so I follow politics. And for the past, I think, 15 years or so, I've been engaged in different campaigns, making phone calls and feeling like every ounce of energy that I put in, I don't know whether I'm putting it into the right candidate, but I'm, I'm putting it into the process, right, of creating a world in which we're engaged, in which, which a good, or good is not the right word, but constructive healing, essentially, can happen. And so I'm unattached to the particular candidates or the particular measures or, you know, principles, but I'm, what I'm committed to is being involved. And at one point I made this music video, which was an inspirational music video. And it was during 2008 and Barack Obama was running for president. And I thought to myself, well, I want to get this into the hands of the campaign. So how do I take something I've created and, sort of manifest a circumstance where it gets used or what, you know, where it, where it turns into something professional. Right. And maybe this can apply to also getting a job or just, just building our artwork or something into something that, that, that really stands on its own. So anyway, in this experience, I wanted to get the, the video into their hands, the campaign's hands, but I lived in California and there's no way they were going to come there because it was a blue state already. So I decided the only way I'm going to possibly, make something of this is if I go to Nevada. So I drove to Reno, you know, he wasn't going to be there, but the campaign was, had some headquarters there. So I drove to Reno and volunteered for the weekend. I show up at 7am in Reno. And the first thing they say is, well, we have some surprising news. Mr. Obama is going to be here on Tuesday and he's going to give a speech. And so I thought to myself, I had, first of all, I had this excitement, like, Oh my God, that's great. And then I had this gut wrenching sinking feeling in my belly. Because that was like, now I have to step up and figure out how I'm going to make something of this circumstance, right? 
like just the opportunity for him to show up doesn't mean that I can manifest something from that, but it's a step. So there's that synchronicity. Here he is. He's going to show up. So I had to navigate, like I had gotten a ride there. I had to get a ride home on Sunday and drive. I, I talked to a friend who was going to come with me and we drove back on Monday to go to Reno again and stayed for Tuesday where we had this, this rally that was happening. And I get up early in the morning and I, I'm at the rally and I'm helping, volunteering, checking people in. But I know that in my head, I'm thinking to myself, um, I'm not going to meet Barack Obama if I'm standing at the back of the audience helping people get checked in. So I need to move myself closer to where I think the action is going to happen. So I finished my job and I navigated to another volunteer station, which was by the front fence. And partway through, you know, I, I realized, okay, probably what's going to happen is he's going to get down and he's going to walk around the audience and shake hands. So how do I put myself in a position where I can make something from that? So I, I ease myself in to the crowd and it's really thick with people, but I know I need to get closer. And I'm like coming up against my place of myself. Do I just surrender or do I, do I take some control here and try and influence this and push in a little bit farther? So I had to push my way into the crowd and he comes along and he reaches out and shakes my hand and then moves on. And I'm like, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't hand him my CD. You know, I didn't need to say hi. I needed to hand him my CD and say, listen to this, you know. So I had one more chance. I, I had to think to myself, do I just surrender? Oh, that was it. Too bad. That was, that was cool, you know. No, I pulled out of the crowd. I walked where I could walk fast. I walked along to get in front of him again, and I pushed back into the crowd. And this time when he came along, I literally said, Mr. Obama, here's a, here's a video to motivate the volunteers. And I just handed it to him. No other introduction, just direct to the point. Uh, that kind of boldness had an impact. And he, he looked at me, said, okay, thanks. And he took it from my hands and handed it to his Secret Service agent. And it was this moment of history where I, I found my way from just driving to Nevada on a Friday to, to handing the future president of the United States a video of my work on Tuesday. And whether or not that turns into the solution to my problems, you know, become famous for that video or not, it was a, a really incredible process of watching history unfold, my history unfold in front of me. And every one of those moments was like a synchronicity that I sort of helped coax along by being proactive about where I was and what I chose to uh, work on and where I chose to go. Man, that's an amazing story. And what I love about it is I think it just demonstrates how you interact with the universe and work with synchronicity. So you take action, then you take more action, then you get feedback, and then you take more action. And I think that the more action that you're willing to take, the more the universe is going to put in front of you. So you have to start with the breadcrumbs. Right. And yes. And just take action. And over time, then you get a, a piece of bread. Then you get a whole loaf of bread. Then you get the whole bakery. Then you get a <laughs> yeah, bakery franchise because the universe is saying, okay, you're serious. It, as you said at the beginning, it's responding to your action. If, if it puts you in the environment and then it's watching you and it's like, you can do something. This is what you wanted. Not going right. to do anything. Well, what do you want me to do? You know what I mean? I've, I've given you the opportunity here. Now you've got to go forth and take it. And I think that, you know, the action piece, if people can just get, get, understand that, learning to take inspired action. And no one, I, I think that, you know, 
anyone who's doing it, it's not easy that you talked about courage, I think at the beginning as well. And you have to be courageous within yourself. It's going to kind of give you that feeling in the body like, oh my goodness, like, am I good enough? What am I doing? Whatever the case is, you're going to have to kind of boldly move, you know, in the environment. And you know, what is Shakespeare? I love that quote, like the, all the world's a stage. Nobody really like cares about you that much. Even when they put, you know, celebrities on TV and they've done some sort of stupid thing and it's everywhere, you know, anybody looking at that, they disregard it two seconds later and they go eat an ice cream cone and go on with all their own, their own stuff, you know? So, you know, if you can boldly, you know, move toward your own inspired action, you're going to have the universe start to respond. And I call them uh, universal winks. You know, yeah. it's just like, it'll be just for you. And you know, like no one else would care that Obama was there, you know, well, right. other people might, but not into the degree of what you were pursuing. That's a right. whole magical shift in the entire universe to have that probability happen. It's like, right. it's ludicrous. I wouldn't have cared. Right. Be, okay, man, I'm going to go over here, but that's pretty amazing for me. It might be like, I don't know, a UFC thing or, or something like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So, so, so I bring this back all the time and this is what I teach in the workshops I do. And I'm leading a webinar coming up soon, which people can find at my website under um, livinginflowbook.com. And what I try and get across is that ultimately these principles come down to us each taking on the role of, as you say, martial artists in our lives. It's not just on the mat. It's not just in, in, on the stage, but it's our, the life, the world is a stage. And everything that shows up is a chance for us to practice. And what I think is really the most valuable for, for people is how do I, as a person, you know, live the fullest life that I can live? What are the things that are holding me back? from making the choices that I really want to make. And I can't tell anybody else what those choices are, but I can tell you what I've learned about how to find what they are in me. You know, we can each find what's really core for me. What am I here to do, at least right now in my life? How do I develop a sense of purpose for myself? And when we can show up in that way, it, it might mean we change our lives. And that can take a lot of courage and boldness. It might mean we leave a job or we take a training that we are really, you know, it's cost a lot of money and we're nervous about doing, but we begin to see that when we take steps, the next step emerges. And that's not just wishful thinking, but that's the way that I think the universe is constructed. And it's not the whole shebang at once, you know, it's like breadcrumb after breadcrumb after breadcrumb that really challenges our commitment and so coming back to this question of what's the right path, the right path is, one, is only going to unfold if you can follow it for long enough to have it unfold because it's breadcrumb after breadcrumb. So if you're, if you're on a path that's not core enough to who you are, that you're not going to be able to last through more than two or three breadcrumbs, then you haven't found it yet. But if you're on the path where no matter how many breadcrumbs you get, you're still going and the breadcrumbs get bigger and you're still going you're not doing it for the breadcrumbs anymore. So you know you've found a path that you'll follow through on and that synchronicity can then just say, hey, great, there's all these options. I'll send you this thing and I'll send you this thing. And you're, you know. So I, I have a, a reading from the book I'd like to read about purpose. Go for it. There's a difference between finding our purpose and finding a sense of purpose. The first phrase implies a very big statement about life's goals 
as if there's something we're supposed to do with our lives and we have to find the right thing. I like the second phrase better, finding a sense of purpose. I think that the universe responds to the choices we make by bringing new events into our lives that match those choices. Therefore, each of our daily actions becomes really important. Making each action purposeful is a habit we can develop. It's like tending a garden. You aren't a factory farm pushing out only one cash crop. You're a community garden planting different seeds at different times and for different purposes. Some of your actions purposely build love within your family. Others of your actions invest in your success in your career. Still other corners of the garden hold seeds you plant purely for the growing of your own joy and fulfillment in life. Finding a sense of purpose focuses more on the sense of part than on the purpose part. The purpose can be any goal or intention you take on, but your sense of purpose is unique to you. Finding a sense of purpose is about finding the essence of yourself in everything you do. That's beautiful, man. I love that. And I have never heard that again, a really brilliant distinction between finding a purpose and finding a sense of purpose. And I love the breadcrumb analogy because it's kind of the way my, it's very relevant for me anyways, because I never know what the hell I'm doing. Um, but I do know if I'm following my gut or not. And, you know, I say the main difference when people ask me questions, they're like, the main difference is like, I'm really confident in like the way that I'm inspired to move. And I've always had the um, and I just do that first, you know, and I worry about kind of the logical stuff second, which isn't always maybe the best way to do it. But I, I do get the, the breadcrumbs. And I think that it's such an important thing because in this universe or in this life, like when, you know, when you're five years old, you don't know what's life going to be like at seven or 10 or 15. And like, why at 15 in our teenage years, do we think we know what's going on? Cause we get a little bit of dependence from our parents. Then we're in uh, college or university in early twenties. And then we're getting an education from like one specific subject of, and this doesn't, you know, you don't know how to build a house. You probably can't do electrical. Um, you don't know how a car is built. You probably can't do any kind of like lawn maintenance. You might learn like a skill here and there. You know, you don't know advanced physics or, or you know, if you do physics, there's like so many different, you know, parts there. You don't know law. Like there's so much we don't know. We know, we know very little about what the heck's going on. And there's so much life to live. There's so much to experience here. And we're always growing. So all we can really do is that next step with as much purpose and awareness because we might not have the next day. And with whatever happens that day might change the day after that. And so, right. if, and it's like, I say it's like a, like a headlamp on Zelda. You know, you can only see like one or two blocks ahead. And those are the inspiring blocks. They're lit up and you know that through your emotional state. That's the feeling. It's cool. That choice feels exciting. Like it might be nervous too, but it's like lit. You take that step and now you're following the path or I, I make the distinction of like living life on default. You just do what's safe and you just do what's told, even though you have this, this um, voice or this feeling that's always there. I don't think that we lose it. I think we just got to come back to asking those really important questions, like you said at the beginning. So, um, yeah, you know, one of the things that I've heard you talk about before is, you know, the question of how far can we bend this reality? How far can we bend, you know, can we walk through walls? Can that happen? I mean, we know that in some sense, atoms are 99% empty space. So why can't we just have them move past each other as we walk through a wall? And is there some, some element of truth to the matrix, like the movie? 
the, the cosmology from the matrix. And I think actually the matrix is one of the best examples or, or expositions of how I think the universe works. Uh, specifically, not the part about the nefarious mo uh, machines that are like controlling humanity and harvesting their energy. Like, I think people get really caught up in those kind of stories because they satisfy something in us. Like, there's somebody holding me back. There's some conspiracy. I think that the, the Matrix does illustrate that there's this behind-the-scenes uh, process that, that in the work I'm doing is... is is this Fourier transform. It's this mathematical process you get to, 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 to turn physical space into wave space. In wave space, you have energy as, as the main medium, not physical objects. I, I won't go into those, you know, too, too far into there, but it's like, the, it's like the matrix, right? It's like these, these intersecting pieces of information. It's like information space. And in that space are all the different possibilities, right? Neo and his, his, his crew are walking through space and then suddenly something appears. Well, was it there a minute ago? Or was it a possibility a minute ago and now it just became there in order to fulfill the code in the matrix? And that's essentially how I think this thing called retroactive event determination is working in the physical world. It's like, there's code for each of these possibilities and the one that you experience is the one that shows up right in that moment to allow you to have that experience. So coming back to this idea about, well, then can we like, how far does it go? Can we walk through walls? And what I want to emphasize is pulling away from worrying about the physical world. Like how far can we push ourselves in the physical world? And thinking metaphorically about walls that show up in our life. What are the things that are stopping me from getting the job I want or pursuing the career path that I want? Is it, you know, I almost didn't go back to graduate school because I had a kid and I had a family and my wife had a job locally and, and there weren't graduate schools that I could get to without uprooting my whole family. And then what if that involves all these pieces to the puzzle? And yet, the metaphor, those are metaphorical walls, all these things that were in my way of accomplishing something that I knew I was feeling more and more in my gut was what I needed to do. And if I was going to do it at any point, it had to be really soon. And so how do we, synchronicity is about the ways in which life shows us how to get through metaphorical walls, how to get through the walls we put up in our own mind about what's possible. Can we deal with climate change? That's a huge wall that I think we have collectively about just, it's just so impossible. And synchronicity showing up in life and leading us into flow with life is a means for navigating those metaphorical walls. And those walls are things that we put up on our own mind in our own way. In the case of my graduate work, I ended up finding a, a program that was a master's program at San Francisco State. And it turns out that the only bus going south from where I lived went straight by San Francisco State. And it was like a two and a half hour bus ride, but it was like straight shot. So I got most of my homework done on that bus ride because I was out of the house early in the morning. Nobody bothered me, just quiet, put my headphones on, you know. So that was a wall that 
I ended up just walking right through eventually through careful steps of like, okay, now I got to figure out how to solve this problem. Now I got to figure out how to sign up for this class or how to navigate this conversation with my wife and how to figure out how to make it work for my daughter's schedule. Each of those things are little breadcrumbs of how to walk through that wall. So I think that we, we are and can walk through walls, but it's a metaphorical process and that's the really important one. That's amazing, man. I, again, it's such an incredible point that I, things I actually haven't really considered for before. So I'm having my <laughs> own mind um, blown and a lot of deepening of understanding of just how I navigate my life, how I understand interacting in my environment and, and moving forward. And, you know, because in, in martial arts, it is a lot about physical and sports, very physical as well. Um, but martial arts in the same sense, physical and mental. And, you know, when you're talking about going through the metaphoric walls, I think that's really what it is, is, is some of these walls we have in our mind are literally paper thin, you know, and, but we have this fear of, of going, but once we, we get stronger, you know, you're like, it's, it takes all of your might to go through that first paper thin wall. You know, I'm thinking about like a little cell doing some sort of whatever it's called when they interact with each other. You're the physicist. I don't know, <laughs> but they start to get like thicker and thicker. Right. And eventually like, it's just like this thick brick wall or whatever. But by that time you're the incredible Hulk. You're like, boom. You know what I mean? It might take you a couple of charges, but you know, that sucker is going down. So again, just an yeah. absolutely brilliant point. I've had dreams multiple times, like a recurring dream of being in a room and there's like a cement wall, like literally a wall. And somehow I know that if I just push on it, it'll move, even though it's completely solid. Or if, if I walk through it, there's something there and I can. And that's led me to that metaphor i don't i don't think that means that there's some magical process by which quantum mechanics says we can teleport i'm like i'm not even interested in that um because i think we have so much to learn from doing the inner work of mastering our emotions and when we master our emotions it's phenomenal how much in our life can shift like for me I, I would I would attribute every success I've had as a process of mastering an emotion that held me back. So like the book Living in Flow that I that I ju just came out with was a process I wrote the first draft in 2011. And I revised that I wrote it in like 3 months and I revised it and revised it like for 5 years. <laughs> just kept like trying to make it better and and by the time 5 years had passed I finally decided to submit it to a publisher and I got a bunch of rejections, you know, for various reasons. It takes a long time to do that. A lot of preparation, like, like it's like getting a job, you know, you have to fill out a whole application and, and make it really pretty and unique to the, each publisher. It's a long process. And that process led me to, you know, like a, through rejections and through refining what it is that I wanted to do in the world and or with the book. And finally, I went, I had an opportunity to go back to one of the publishers. When I met them at a conference, I, I ran into them and have another conversation with them, even though they had, they had turned down the manuscript. But at this point, my work had evolved to the point of not being really academic and heady anymore, but being, I, I had evolved emotionally. Being able, like I've been through stuff with my wife and my daughter that had opened me up and people in my life that had opened me up to be more vulnerable as a human being. 
And I felt like I really could connect with people in a way that I wasn't able to do when I first started writing the book. And now at this point, I knew that when, when I was writing, when I, I could feel when I was connecting with my readers because I could just, I felt it in myself. Like I know when I'm connecting because I feel something in me that I couldn't even feel before. And so they asked for another submission and I just started from scratch and I just wrote the first chapter of the book and it came from that really different place. So this book wouldn't have happened if without that kind of emotional transformation that came from listening to my life and grieving parts of myself that had been wounded in childhood and had been hurting people in my life, like my wife and my daughter and just owning that material and reclaiming my own ability to connect with people in my life. That's, that's beautiful, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story because I think that vulnerability, as you touched on before, is such an important thing. And, and as a man, talk about like divine masculine sometimes, things like that. But men culturally, we're, we're supposed to be tough and we're supposed to hide our emotions and we're supposed to do these things. But just sharing that story just shows it's like the evolution of being a whole human, whatever yeah. that case is, whatever parts of you shut down, man or woman, whatever the case is, um, any color, any race, any distinction, whatever you're shutting down, if you can become vulnerable and just become whole and build yourself up, um, that's going to have a direct impact with everything else in your life. And it's going to be a process. And I really, again, like love the idea of like the walls because they're mental walls in your mind. That's all it is. It's all in your mind. And once you can kind of analyze those, reflect on them and, and continue to take like a new action with that inspiration and you can ask for help, you know, just pray, ask a friend, do something. But I think the universe and spirit will help you. And you know, I'm an advocate yeah. for for prayer and asking and writing it down, you know, because also you're seeing it on paper, just write it down, write the problems you're having, write what you need to go through, ask for help to, you know, whatever you need, like the trees or, or whatever, but um, something. Well, I, I feel like, I feel like one of the things that I took on as, as a man in this culture is the, the importance of being strong. And yet what I, what I found is that anything I haven't evaluated in my life, anything I, part of myself I haven't examined, any part that isn't whole is a vulnerability, like in the, in the not good sense of the word. Like just being strong, but having places in myself that are wounded and I haven't addressed is a vulnerability for me because somebody somewhere can say something, whether it's my enemy or my spouse, that triggers my reaction and sabotages some, some element of my life. So I'm, I'm at risk from parts of my life that I haven't examined. So I think being vulnerable in the sense of like me owning the difficulty that I have in asking for help because it makes me feel like I don't have it all together. People see that I, I don't know everything I need to know. They're, they're going to just abandon me. The vulnerability that comes from, from owning that and being able to do that is actually a strength that we have as men because it makes us less vulnerable to the unexpected stuff that life can bring. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's so interesting, like how, like, again, just in the, in the common world, the day to day thing, it's, it's very suppressed and it's still made fun of, you know, and it's, it's, it's so interesting, but it's a very powerful thing. And I, again, I never thought about it from that perspective. So you're just dropping all these brilliant points of view that I'm like, Oh yeah. And I'm definitely going to use them too. And, and references. Um, 
man, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. You, you. I imagine your book is amazing. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but just the points that you were making and the perspectives and how powerful the distinctions are. And if we can apply those, like I, I've, I've found that in, in my own research and um, meandering through life and falling down that a lot of the important concepts will make you successful or have a fulfilling life aren't complicated. They're just challenging to do. And that's really what you shared today is like these really beautiful and important concepts that can have a dramatic impact in your life if you're willing to take a little bit of action towards them. So um, what I wanted to ask you is, is there anything else that I wish you wish that I'd asked? What would be your top recommendations for living in flow in like a concise version? And so I'm just going to pile it on before we go. And uh, any recommendations to make the planet a better place? If you could like implement one like belief set, one thing, one idea, and it would be adopted among the planet, what would you do to improve it um, to the largest degree possible? That's beautiful. Wow. <laughs> and you're challenging me to like distill what I want, like what I want for the world in a way that I really need to. So that's great. <laughs> 12 words or less, please. <laughs> No, I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks, I, I want to say that I, I love uh, working with people on this, and I work with groups in the form of workshops, and I've got a webinar that I'm going to be leading in the next few months. So you can find out about that stuff at my website, livinginflowbook.com. And the, you know, living in flow, it brings in lots of stuff. It brings in trust and faith in the world. It brings in authenticity. And ultimately, it comes from strength that isn't necessarily strong, but it comes from boldness. It comes from honesty. It comes from wholeness. You use that word. So that leads to the, to the final question, which is, if you could do one thing, if we could all do one thing that would actually start to heal this world and change the circumstances, it would be take on a quest for wholeness whatever that means, wherever that leads you. Because it's only through becoming whole that we will each individually heal. And we don't need to fix the problems in the world right now. We need to heal ourselves and the problems that exist. And that's an active process, both inside of ourselves and outside of ourselves. So that's what I would say. I think that can make a huge, I think that is what will make the difference when we take on that healing work and and are willing to address grief and vulnerability and still raise our head up and look at the world with clear, direct eyes. Amazing. <laughs> Slow clap. You nailed it. What a, what a beautiful answer, man. I, I, started, I was like, I'm going to have to figure out, well, as you were saying it, I was like, man, that's another beautiful answer. I got to figure out a different word than beautiful. <laughs> but I was like, I don't know. Thank I you, say sir. all kinds of ridiculous stuff, but um, man, that's, that's yeah, really, really amazing information and a uh, group of work that you've put together, uh, research and what you're sharing. So just thank you so much for, for what you're doing and for the philosophy you're sharing and for actively engaging and doing the best you can and making yourself whole and spreading positivity. Um, I appreciate you coming on. So you've said the uh, website a few times, where can people find more about you if they want to touch base and explore more? I'm on Facebook. I've got a lot of, lot of connections on Facebook. Sky Nelson Isaacs is my page. And I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. So you can reach out to me. And 
Um, I've got a blog and an email list at the livinginflowbook.com website. And I send stuff out once a month. I try and make it you know, useful. And I do travel around. I'm going to be in Indianapolis coming up. I'm going to be in Michigan. I'm going to be, I was just in Vancouver, Canada, actually, my first time to Canada. Nice. And um, so I do travel here and there, and I, I do internet stuff too as well. So I think I covered it. Right on, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you. And uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. See you in the next thanks. episode. See you later. Peace. Right on, everybody. We just got through that incredible episode with Sky Nelson Isaacs. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you found it as beneficial as I did. I love that conversation. Check out his book. Check out his work. He really knows what he's talking about, obviously, if you listen to all that. If you enjoyed the episode, please share the love. Take a screenshot of uh, the episode apart. Share it on your Instagram. Tag me at Matt Belair. Share on Facebook. Share anywhere. Really helps to get the word out there. Helps with rankings. Helps with all kinds of good stuff so please share it uh, when you can leave a review on itunes that helps and my patrons go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair toss a buck in the bucket even if it's a dollar 44 helps immensely and i'm so so grateful to be able to uh, converse with these guests and share their wisdom with you it's an honor really it's, it's truly amazing so i appreciate all the support we are coming to london england for the solstice i believe it's the weekend of june 19th to the 23rd we're going to be bringing native american elder a star teachings archivist mathematician engineer david lombear senapas to do some teachings as well as take some measurements at stone hedge um, for the solstice so it's going to be a fantastic trip uh, we could use some support so if you check out uh, i'll put it on my facebook page as well matt belair official but if you want to help out with the gofundme to get david there it's a dog there we're always uh, fundraising for david so he can travel so he can offer the teachings he offers them freely um, but it does cost him flights and all this stuff and hotels and food to travel around in all these places and i've watched him over the last two years really just selflessly work non-stop bringing these teachings everywhere he can uh with little to zero help. It's amazing. I have no idea how he always gets it done, but uh, it's incredible. So uh, tons of appreciation for him and what he does. And I'm honored to be able to go on this trip and hopefully meet some of you in person. So if you're in the UK, spread the word, let them know we're coming. I hope to meet you in person. Um, But thank you guys, all the support. Thank you for my patrons. Thank you guys who've shared the podcast, supported, done anything like that. Um, Remember to do one kind act today. That's what I forgot to say. So if you want to support the show, one kind act for someone else will be the very best thing to do so i am talking really fast and i'm gonna get out of here because i am hungry and it is the weekend so i hope that you guys have had an amazing week i hope that you have a fantastic weekend and let's close this out by coming to a state of peace and coherence using the power of our breath so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with inner peace self-worth, self-love, self-empowerment, energy, passion, and ready to take on the rest of the day. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.